I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message for March 18th, 2021. And we are doing an ask me anything, a question and answer session. We got over 200 questions at rubinreport.locals.com. That's where I take questions. No matter how many times I tell the Twitter people, I'm not taking questions here. They keep submitting questions. But if you want me to actually read your questions, and my team does read all of the questions and then they tell me what they think's best. I quickly glance through everything. I don't prepare for any of this. It's coming right in front of me. I haven't even seen fully all of them. We just mix it up. If you want me to see them, you go to rubenport.locals.com and you can submit your question. And we do the Q&A every Thursday. Uh, so we're gonna get to as many as possible. I am gonna cover one story today because uh, obviously there was this shooting of the massage parlor uh, where six Women were killed, uh, well, I guess it was seven women, one man, six of the women were Asian. I mean, even just putting all of those attachments onto everything, like a life is a life is a life. Uh, but everyone is using this to sort of fit their narrative right now. And Jen Psaki, who obviously is the White House spokeswoman, uh, you're not gonna believe who she blamed, yeah. Orange man, she blamed orange man. So we're gonna talk about that and then show you really a fantastic clip to show you how ridiculous uh, Pisaki and sort of the mainstream narrative is. Uh, before we get to that though, I wanna talk to you guys about Bonner Private Wine. You know, if you ever go out to a barbecue joint and the next day you're still digesting all that meat, we all know that feeling, here's a tip, drink some red wine. Not only does it taste great, but red wine actually makes you digest meat more effectively. This is a little something I know about. In fact, according to some studies, it makes red meat even healthier, but not all red wines are equal. You don't want some mass market red wine full of chemicals and pesticides. Instead, you need to check out Extreme Altitude Malbec from Australia. I've got a bottle of it right here. Extreme Altitude means grapes grown at around 9,000 feet fed off pure snow melt, no excess chemicals with notes of blackberry, leather, smoke, and dark cherry. This wine is delicious. Actually, we had a really fantastic steak last night. Uh, I posted some pictures on my, uh, on my Instagram. We knocked back a bottle of this, well, two bottles. Uh, the guys over at freethinkerwine.com are telling me they just got another special shipment of these wines in, including one from the third highest vineyard in the world. My audience can get 50% off if you go there today. Just go to freethinkerwine.com. That's freethinkerwine.com. And now back to me. All right, so I wanna start by playing you this clip. This is yesterday. This is White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, talking about the shooting that happened. Again, I and every sane person on earth absolutely condemn the shooting, condemn whatever the motive may have been. Uh, they're telling us that the motive actually is because the perpetrator, this 21 year old kid who happened to be white, they're telling us that he was a sex addict and he was just going to these places just to shoot up people. Um, that's, what, that's what they're telling us at the moment. That's what law enforcement is actually telling us. That's not stopping the narrative from being spun that he was actually a white supremacist and somehow wanted to kill Asian people. Uh, but listen to this uh, little moment at the press conference from Jen Psaki, and then we're gonna play a little clip after that. In the Oval Office, he didn't want to make a connection on the motivation of yeah. in Atlanta. But to broaden it out, why does the president think attacks on Asian Americans are increasing in this country? 
Why does he think that's happening? Well, uh, he he wanted to be very clear because there's an ongoing FBI investigation, right? And he didn't want to attribute motive. There are law enforcement authorities who do that, um, and it's important to note when uh, when the uh, when the investigation is concluded or not. So that was a, a bar he was attempt working to respect there. Um, you know, I, I think there's no question that uh, some of the damaging rhetoric uh, that we saw. Uh, during the prior administration, uh, blaming, uh, you know, calling COVID, uh, you know, the Wuhan virus or other things um, uh, led to, um, you know, um, perceptions of the Asian American community that are inaccurate, unfair, uh, have uh, raised, um, you know, threatening, uh, have, has elevated threats against uh, Asian Americans. And we're seeing that uh, around the country. That's why even before the events of horrific events of last night, he felt it was important to raise this issue, elevate it during his first primetime address, why he signed the executive order uh, earlier in his presidency. And he will continue to look for ways to elevate and talk about this issue. Man, she really is just terrible. I mean, talk about an inauthentic person who's just an absolute BS artist. And, and all of them at some level are that, right? They're the filter between the president and the media. So they have to, their job is sort of BSing, right? And that doesn't mean they're all bad people. Dana Perino, who's a good friend of mine, who I just had on the show a week or two ago, uh, she talked, she was the press secretary for George W. Bush. And she talks about some of those struggles. And I think she's quite upfront about it, actually. But Jen Psaki just comes off as deeply deeply, deeply inauthentic. But what she says there is there's no question that some of the damning rhetoric from Trump has caused this. Well, that's interesting because Trump called it the Wuhan virus or called it the China virus, right? Well, hmm, that's interesting. So if those words could lead to violence, well, then you're not, Jen, you're not gonna like this video from MRC TV that I'm gonna show you right now. Concern is growing this morning over an outbreak of a new SARS-like virus in China. At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan virus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. What more can you tell us about the similarities or differences between SARS and the Wuhan coronavirus? The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus in China. The Wuhan uh, coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. And the Wuhan uh, coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. Fears continue to grow over the outbreak of the Wuhan coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. We have new information about how the Wuhan coronavirus is. Wuhan, man, that's a lot of hate speech being directed at you good people from CNN and a couple other networks, but CNN went very heavy on that, the Wuhan coronavirus. And there's many other videos, by the way, of mainstream media people calling it the China virus. By the way, for the record, I have no problem calling it the Wuhan virus. I have no problem calling it the China virus. That shouldn't make any sane person be bigoted towards Chinese people. We do know that it came from Wuhan, China. That is just a fact. Uh, just to clarify one thing, there were nine victims in the shooting, eight were killed, six happened to be Asian women. Now again, the shooter from everything that the FBI is telling us at the moment did not do this in the name of racism. It had something to do with his sex addiction. I'm guessing he maybe went to some of these places and who, who knows, like we will all find that out. And by the way, if it is found out that it turns out that he was in a whole bunch of white supremacist uh, Facebook groups or wh wherever these people coordinate, probably Reddit or some of the more evil underbelly internet sites. It's like, then of course you, we would talk about that. Like, obviously I would cover that and I'm completely against white supremacy. I'm against 
black supremacy and I'm against Asian supremacy and all other kinds of supremacy. But the point is that when Psaki blames this on Trump, look, I went to a lot of Trump rallies, as you know, there were plenty of Asian people there. I never saw anyone bigoted towards Asian people. Uh, if you wanna talk about who is actually being bigoted and racist towards Asian people in society in 2021, how about Harvard that has quotas that eliminate Asians from getting to Harvard uh, that make you, you have to score higher as an Asian and there's still a good chance you're not gonna get in because there were too many Asians at Harvard, at the great liberal institution of Harvard. We know that as critical race theory and the rest of this nonsense leaks into all of our institutions and into our giant corporations, who is it going to discriminate against? It's going to discriminate, discriminate mostly against Asians. Jews too, Indians too, any minority group that succeeds, that actually mangles the calculation in the intersectional calculator, right? That's against what the left needs. They need their victims to be victims, otherwise the whole narrative falls apart. Asians in America have not been victims by any imagination. Have, has there been anti-Asian violence? Has there been anti-Asian bigotry? Has there been discrimination like there is against every group? Has there been Irish discrimination? St. Patrick's Day was yesterday. Has there been discrimination against Italian people and, and virtually everybody? Yes, and what it is your job to do is overcome that and become a thriving member of society, which, which Asian people have probably done better than any group of people if you care about groups of people. All right, we got a zillion questions. We're gonna get to them, but real quick, guys. Bill Barr, let's talk about it. Not Bill Barr, talking about Bill Barr. Uh, it's not often that you get to put that you get to put the words healthy and delicious in the same sentence together. So if you've been struggling to keep that New Year's resolution to get healthier, I'm about to bring you some really good news. It's called Built Bar, and it's the rare item of food that's both healthy and delicious. I've got several bars right here. Uh, they are high in protein and fiber, low in calories and carbs. Each bar contains 110 to 160 calories, up to 20 grams of protein, and only three to five net carbs. You can do this on keto if you want. And meanwhile, it's made with real chocolate and tastes amazing. This is the kind of snack that's gonna allow you to lose or maintain weight while indulging in something delicious. And that's always a welcome change. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, peanut butter, mint brownie, and a lot more. Don't give up on your Resolution, Built Bar is the answer. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Ruben to get 15% off your next order. Use promo code Ruben and you'll get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And now back to me. All right, let's plow into the q and I promise I'm gonna do as many as possible. We got, we got about 200. They selected some. I quickly glanced at a few of them, but not even all of them. And away we go. Truman says, are you seeing any shifts in the IDW types under a Biden administration? As in, are they starting to wake up? I know it's been frustrating to see many of them lag behind in terms of understanding the gravity of what we're facing. Uh, you know, I get a lot of questions like this when people come up to me on the street, they ask me like, what's going on with the IDW crew? It seems like a whole bunch of them have sort of gone off the deep end or disappeared or anything else. So I will say this, let's, let's remove two of the people from it, let's remove Ben because Ben Shapiro, uh, he's been as outspoken as ever, obviously. Daily Wire is crushing it across the board. I, Candace Owens' new talk show, which I'm gonna do in, in Nashville in the next couple of weeks, I think it debuts today even, is it today? Or maybe even, maybe tomorrow. Oh, I'm being told tomorrow, okay. So they're just crushing over there and Ben is outspoken on absolutely everything as always. So that's Ben. And then I would say you have to sort of remove Jordan Peterson from the equation because obviously with the health stuff that he went through, for the last year and a half, almost two years actually. Uh, he just wasn't chiming in on a lot of things. He's just getting back, the book just came out. I know a lot of you saw my, my two hour interview with him. Uh, so he's going to start 
being more outspoken, obviously, as he gets his health in order. Actually, just this morning, I saw him tweet about uh, how Bill C-16 that he was warning about way back when, and people said he was a racist white supremacist because he didn't want the government of Canada to compel speech in relation to what pronouns you use to trans people. Uh, he's now seeing that that is just bursting forth into, into so many other uh, parts of society. I would say, um, look, if you if you took someone like Sam Harris, the truth is he, when Trump got booted off Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and Pinterest and everything else, Sam literally tagged at Jack, the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, and thanked him for, for banning Donald Trump. Like, you know, so you can make your own judgment call on that. You know, I, I tweeted something to Sam about, in effect, like, you know, I'll, I'll still defend you, but I'll probably get booted before you take, they take you out, because obviously a lot of people aren't thrilled with him. So I think he sort of removed himself uh, from away. But I would say in a, in a bigger sense, like the Weinstein brothers, Joe Rogan, Barry Weiss, like the whole crew, like, are these people for lockdowns or not? I don't really hear anyone talking about the things that I think are the most important things out there. I know everyone's doing their things. That's not even really a judgment call on anyone uh, specifically. And it sounds like I'll be doing Eric Weinstein's podcast in a couple of weeks and I'd be happy to hash out any of these issues publicly. Uh, but I would say the lockdowns and the, the response to COVID has been the most important issue of the day on top of censorship and everything else. And if you're just seeing people not really addressing those things, um, then it's up to you to decide whether they're, they're an important you know, public person for you to follow or not. And I would include myself in that. Like if you think I'm not doing a great job or I'm, you know, denying some of the realities of what's going on here. But I do think what in essence happened is that the Trump thing sort of broke people in a certain way. Like it became obvious to me that Trump was sort of the last guy guarding guarding the gate. We've talked about this before. And, and I said, okay, I've got to support the guy for that reason, for whatever his flaws are. And I think a lot of the people that that didn't support him or or maybe uh, privately did, but but didn't want to do it publicly. Um, I think the rubber has now met the road where it's so obvious that Biden with dementia and the energy of the crazy left behind him is destroying all of the very things that the, you know, quote unquote, good liberals stand for. So it's put them in a, in a unenviable position, I would say. Uh, I said I was gonna do these quick, that was not quick. I'll see what I can do here. Here's Patriot Girl 2. She says, what's your take on John Kerry's maskless flight? Think America Airlines will do anything. My guess is America Airlines not gonna do anything. I suppose it was nice to see John Kerry fly commercial because you may remember a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about how he has to fly around the world private to tell everybody about climate change because that's really, uh, that's a real green way of, of doing your travels, right, John? So to just see him on a commercial plane like one of the peons, one of us is nice. John Kerry, I mean, I always find the funny part about this is, you know, he married into big ketchup money. You know that? He married Teresa Hines and uh, she's, you know, the Hines ketchup. So he's got all the ketchup money. He's flying, uh, you know, regular class. That's, I guess, regular class. He's, he might've been in first class, I'm not sure, but he's flying commercial at least. Um, but yes, if you don't know what I'm talking about, yesterday he was photographed on a flight, an American Airlines flight without a mask. It did not appear that he was eating or drinking. This is what they do, guys. They, they just want you to live like robots under their control. And, they, and if you think that John Kerry doesn't have parties at his house, and if you think they don't have get togethers, and that they, they, I mean, the guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. If he doesn't have staff around him, they, they wanna be treated great while you are completely controlled and neutered and everything else. I don't think American Airlines will do anything. Although when I flew back from Florida 
couple weeks ago, they did announce on my American Airlines flight that if you're eating peanuts on the plane, you should eat them uh, with ra rather rapidly, you know, because otherwise they'll be watching you. You can't just slowly take a peanut, then think about life, and then take another peanut. So, you know, I guess I could have been kicked off that plane. I wasn't. Uh, first of all, I also thought peanuts weren't even allowed on planes anymore, but all right. Uh, a Trittenbach says, this week, the infallible Fauci, the second greatest doctor only to Jill Biden, <laughs> talked about the real possibility of the next pandemic and today. Do you think they are conditioning us for the next pandemic and new lockdowns? I do, I do. I don't think that's a crazy conspiratorial thing to say. I think when you say they, I mean, that's where we get sort of lost in it. Like, what is they? Is that just the system? Is there a, I don't think it's necessarily a cadre, a secret cadre of people that sit and, and plot all these things. But I think the system itself saw that, wow, we can shut down the world, destroy businesses, destroy lives, get all of these people to put masks on and a second mask and put gloves on. And we can also figure out how their shopping habits change and figure out that they'll do more online and that they'll keep buying more and more movies on Apple TV and not go out and like all of the economic stuff that somebody's making money off of all of this stuff, right? Jeff Bezos ain't that pissed about lockdowns. I'm not saying he's forcing the lockdowns, but I think you get my point. So I think they, the system tested us, and I think for the most part, we failed. You know, some, some people did not fail. I would say, um, you know, Ron DeSantis in Florida did not fail. And then by him being brave and doing the right thing, the millions of people that he governs, I think got a little extra bit of bravery. But I'm here in Los Angeles and there ain't a whole lot of, brave people, although I do occasionally have dinner with some of them. And again, that's just satire. I would never have someone here for dinner last night and post a picture about it on my Instagram today. No, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, Amber says, what do you think about the Department of Defense's war on Tucker Carlson? Is it foreshadowing totalitarianism or just an emotional reaction of the woke in the ranks? So without getting too deep into the story, the DOD has had a couple Twitter accounts, you know, blue check Twitter tech accounts go after Tucker. Tucker did a segment a few days ago about pregnant women in the military. I don't wanna sound like a crazy reactionary here, but frankly, if a woman is pregnant, I, I wouldn't want her on the front lines of a war. Uh, you know, that, that's just me, but not because she couldn't do it, uh, but you know, there might be some health stuff there for the baby, you know, just would be something. Uh, but watching actually the system go after Tucker. So it's a little bit different when you see like governmental Twitter accounts, right? Official government sanctioned Twitter accounts go after a private member of society rather than just like the losers at Media Matters who are watching this or like the irrelevant dingbats at, you know, Daily Beast or all of the people that are just trying to constantly cancel us. So I do think it's an escalation of a certain sort, uh, but Tucker hasn't been scared away yet and his ratings are killing it and he's doing good work. So I think he's gonna be just fine. Uh, T-Rex says, I just started working for a company that's evidently very woke, hiring based on immutable characteristics, et cetera. Do you have any recommendations for how a lowly employee could try to steer the ship in the right direction from the inside? You know, I would say it's almost impossible because once the infection is there, um, it basically takes over the host. That's why I always compare it to alien, right? It's like it gets in you, it gestates, and then it bursts forth when it doesn't need that body anymore. So there's probably not that much you can do, but I would say this, 
detail everything going on there. Every instance where you see someone being hired because of skin color or, or a, you know, a white person doesn't get a promotion just because he's white or whatever the craziness that you're seeing in there. Certain people treated certain ways because of their sexuality or any of that stuff done in the name of tolerance, even though it's really the most intolerant set of ideas possible. Keep records of all of that stuff. And by the way, it's not that you're gonna take that to HR and HR is gonna do anything because we know that the HR uh, departments in many of these companies is completely corrupted. But at some point, if you get passed over for a job or something happens to you, well then maybe you have a lawsuit. Maybe you can go to some of the people that are fighting this on the outside. I would say follow Chris Rufo on, uh, on Twitter because he's doing a great job and he's leading a whole bunch of lawyers fighting this at many different levels. Uh, excuse me for one moment. Sometimes people say, Dave, you seem a little parched when you're on the show, you're talking a lot, you seem a little parched. Stop and, and have a drink. So there I did it, all right. Although I'm drinking coffee, which I think parches you in a certain way. Uh, David says, I'm an elementary school principal in dare I say public school, but I have to come, I've come to realize that at least I at least have some power to positively influence my students and my school. What are one or two things that you think I ought to discuss or that I ought to focus on in order to fight off the ever creeping far left agenda? Look, this is tough because if, if you fight it, then you'll be, you know, I mean, you know what they're gonna do, right? They're gonna tell you you're racist, you're far right, all of those things, you'll have a mob come after you and all that. I would say maybe try to do something a little softer, which is just, Whenever you're talking to these kids, just keep pushing the idea that, hey guys, you know, you can think for yourselves. We don't know everything. You know, the subtitle of my book, Thinking for Yourself in the Age of Unreason. It's like, you can think for yourself. And I think young people don't realize that. Young people are being taught to conform. That's why seeing all these young kids with masks all over the place, like everything is being taught to conform and the system, you have to bow to the system, like there's nothing cool anymore. You know, remember punk rock? Remember when like, you know, the, the anything. Some, I saw this morning that James Lindsay tweeted something, they're trying to cancel Greece now because of misogyny and it's like, John Travolta in Greece, he was the cool guy, but not because, because he wasn't like the guy that was part of the machine, right? He, you know, that's what the whole movie's about. Uh, and Frankie Valli, Greece is like one of the greatest songs of all time. Um, but I would say just keep pushing the idea that they can think for themselves, that you don't have all the answers, that the adults don't have all the answers, that they can actually think and come up to, with conclusions themselves. Uh, Kelly says, as you transformed your views, how did that affect your relationship with your husband? Did you take the transformation together? I love this question. Um, you know, I believe it or not, so David's a little younger than me. And yes, if you don't know this, we both are named David. I go by Dave, he goes by David, it's wild, people can't believe it, it's crazy. Um, but he's a little younger than me, and when he was really waking up to some stuff about economics, like as we started making more money and things were moving along and he's looking at taxes and all that, I, and this is still when I was a lefty, I kept saying to him, you know, you're a, you're a scary Republican, you're a conservative, you, oh my God. And I think he sort of moved on that first. But you know, we really do have, we've been together for over 10 years at this point and, and we do really have a very open, honest relationship and, and he's not that political. He sort of became political uh, as he was producing the show, which now he's stepping away from and wor working, you know, we have several businesses now, so he sort of oversees all that stuff. But he never loved the political part of it. Um, so you know, what's interesting is like when we have dinner parties, hypothetically, if we were to ever have dinner parties at our house here, 
in Los Angeles. Um, again, really hypothetically, people, these are not things that really happen. Um, you know, I, most of my friends are in the political world. Obviously, most of our, our dinners, our talks, our chats, all of those things become about politics. Um, but I would say he's mostly a libertarian. He's just kind of live and let live. He's not obsessed by all of this stuff. Um, and, if, and what he really loves is, is food and cooking more than anything else, which is why I post a lot of food cooking pictures. Actually, you can go to his website, davidscookbook.com and see a lot of the stuff that I'm eating. Uh, Candace says, I'm going to miss live comedy shows. I'm curious, who's your favorite current stand-up comic? I don't know that there's anyone that I really like right now. I mean, I, I haven't been to a live stand-up show in obviously over a year. Uh, I believe I have a week's worth of shows. I think we're gonna do about five shows in April, all in Florida. I'm just gonna bounce around Florida. Uh, sometime in April, we're waiting on the official dates on that. And basically, I'm just, I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna get on stage. You know, I'll have a couple lines, but I'm gonna mess with you guys. Crowd work, maybe I'll bring people on stage. We'll give stuff away. We're just gonna be human beings laughing in a room and drinking highly, you know, right-wing racist stuff. So I look forward to getting out there. In the Florida, uh, Laura says, what advice would you give people who wanna build a stable, healthy life and relationships for themselves, but didn't have good examples of these things growing up? I love this question because this is a, a version of a question I heard all the time when I was moderating the Q and A's while on tour with Jordan Peterson, that a lot of people like, you could see they were like getting themselves in order, but either their parents were messed up or maybe the parents were out of the picture or they just did not have good role models. Um, Jordan would answer it with something like, and I'm not gonna do it in, in full Jordan terms with all the hand motions and everything else, but Jordan would do it in some, with something to the effect of, you know, you know that best version of you. Like it's, it's in there somewhere, we all know it, right? And we know when we're living up to that person or being that person, and then we know all the versions of ourselves when we're not, when we're not being as honest, we're not being as hardworking, we're not being as generous or as good or whatever that might be. And if you can really try to see that and always keep an eye on that, that's sort of the star in the distance that you gotta, you gotta work for. But I would also say, and, and this is uh, what chapter nine in my book is about, and don't burn this book, is about find a role model. And for me, Jordan became that sort of accidentally. It wasn't like we sat down like, you know, uh, find a role model or find a mentor is really what the chapter is about. And I think if you can find a mentor, meaning someone who's done a little bit more than you, or maybe a lot more than you, but you go, oh, that's the type of person I would wanna be. That, that person has accomplished the type of things that I wanna accomplish. Um, if you can find that, and it doesn't mean you're gonna get to go on tour with that person for a year, but whatever that is, you know, whatever that is, if you work, if you work wherever, you're a car mechanic, like find the car mechanic who, who's lived a good life, who's good at what they do, who's accomplished and decent, and they will help you be better at what you wanna do as well. All right, Cooper says, suppose all the blue states secede, would you move to the red states? Yes, absolutely, 100%, without question. I don't even need to extrapolate on this too much. I'm fighting to save California for now. You guys know my feelings about uh, Gavin Newsom and the recall. My hope is we will get something that pushes back on some of this stuff. Maybe we can also recall our DA here, the DA in San Francisco. Maybe we can start the pushback. If it, if it all fails, I'm leaving. Like, you know, I think I gave it the old college try. You know, like nobody's going, oh, Dave Rubin didn't try to do anything to fix that state. The inherent problem with that, and by the way, I talk about a little bit about this with, in my interview with Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, which went up this morning on YouTube. You guys can check that out is that you know, if all of the good, decent, freedom-loving, liberty-loving people in the blue states move to the red states, well then what is the union at that point? Now the counter to that would be, hey, that's what federalism is, that people just move to all of these states and live very different lives. 
But I think we would have such a national cohesion problem, which we're already have it happening at some level, right? If you live in Florida, you are living under a very different set of circumstances and different set of rules than you live under California. At some point, the cohesion part of that could become a massive problem. And I don't know if you've heard about this, but social media ain't helping. But yes, I would move to a red state in two freaking seconds. Uh, Eileen says, movie night. I think people could use a good laugh after this insane lockup. Yes, we've done a bunch of movie nights uh, at rubenreport.locals.com where we all pull up a Netflix movie. There's a Netflix party app so we can chat live after. And then we do a live video Zoom with 100 plus people. Um, we actually maxed out at 100 last time, so we have to upgrade the account or something to, to get some more, but we will do a movie night soon, um, I promise. Uh, Kelsey says, stuck on a desert island, you have to choose one of your least favorite political figures and one of your favorites, who and why? Well, my least favorite obviously is AOC. I mean, I think she has no concept of what she's talking about. I think she's imported an absolutely terrible set of what I believe to be truly racist ideas. She loves collectivism, she loves big government. Um, she doesn't really know how to do anything other than stay liked in the media, I suppose. I think if I was on an island with her, it's not like this is someone who could actually help in any way. What, what could she do? What could she build? I mean, she could complain. She could complain a lot and demand $15 an hour for the work that she doesn't know how to do. Are you building the hut? She go, I want $15 an hour. I go, we don't have any money and we're on, a, we're on an island. Like, lady, come on now. Um, so I wouldn't want to be with her, but you asked for my least favorite. My, my favorite, I mean, look, I just had Rand Paul on today. So again, check it out on, on the YouTube over there. Uh, but I, I like the guy. I mean, I really like, I think we could, you know, even if, even if it was the end, even if it was, you know, Tom Hanks and we're, we're going down. It's like, I think we would enjoy the, the chats. I think we would have good talks about liberty and freedom and the individual and, and things of that nature. Uh, Gina says, what makes you really belly laugh? Uh, I've mentioned this a couple times. I think Naked Gun, 1989, Leslie Nielsen, Naked Gun by the Zucker Brothers is the best comedy of all time. I remember seeing that. I was 12 or 13 years old. I remember seeing that in the movie theater and I was in an aisle seat and there was a big fat man sitting in front of me and he fell out of his chair laughing. A big fat man, like 300, 400 pounds, plopped into the aisle laughing. I remember belly laughing, that pain, that amazing pain when you just can't, your body's like in revulsion because you are laughing so hard. To me, and a lot of people will say, but Dave, Airplane is better than Naked Gun. I am not a believer in that because to me, although the Zucker Brothers did Airplane too, Naked Gun like perfected that version of slapstick over the top, smack you in the head comedy. Also, you know, Leslie Nielsen, of course, he was in Airplane as well as the doctor, but like, he's just like the perfect comic actor, like straight faced, absolutely perfect. Ricardo Montalban, uh, uh, Ricardo Montalban is in it. Uh, just a great, great, it's just nice, Beaver. Like, it's just a perfect movie. Uh, Allison says, if you run for governor of California to replace Newsom, will you hire a black woman to replace you? as host on the Rubin Report looking for a yes or no. If her last name's Rubin, you find me a black woman who already has the last name Rubin spelled the exact same way as me. So I'm sorry, Jennifer Rubin, you can't get in. And there's a couple other, there's a couple other pretty lefty annoying Rubins that are blue checkers on Twitter. You find me a black female Rubin and you got the show lady. Uh, Landon says, do you ever feel like you're preaching to the choir and either not reaching those on the other side or actually push them away? Great question, I'm happy to answer this. 
I would say generally no. And, and the reason I know that is when I go out and I do meet and greets and I meet people on the street, people say hi to me at the store, whatever it is, most people say, uh, and most of my original audience, like when the show started, they were sort of disaffected liberals, right? So they were the, they were the lefties who kind of woke up, the red-pilled lefties. And now I would say, obviously, a, a huge chunk of my audience, and for all I know, maybe it's over 50%, is now I would say sort of more traditional conservatives who happen to be open-minded and willing to agree to disagree. That's a pretty wide swath of people. And, I, and as I always say, I mean, I think that is what the future of America is if we're to remain a free country, which obviously is a big if. But if you take all of the disaffected liberals and you take the conservatives and you combine those people together, that's probably 80% of the country. And then we can argue about marginal tax rates and we can even argue about abortion and some other things. But if the basic premise of that huge group of people is in effect that America's pretty decent and let's let's see how we can keep making it more decent rather than destroy the thing. I think that's pretty much everybody. As for the push them away part, um, I hope that I don't. You know, my behavior on Twitter is probably a little more, well, certainly a little more combative than my behavior is here. And every now and again, I do drop the F-bomb here and that sort of thing. I try to do this, you know, mostly with some level of humor and a smile on my face so that so that people do feel welcome to this and that, you know, if you send one of these videos to a friend or a family member, they're gonna watch me and go, oh, that guy doesn't seem like a complete partisan maniac or just like a real prick. Um, so I try to make it as welcoming as possible for many people, but um, but I suppose if, I, I, I suppose at some level I push somebody away. Well, look, I know that my, my say further left audience that I started with, they don't really like me anymore, but you know, you can't be liked by all the people. Like I, I wake up in the morning, I, I try to do what I think is right, and then you kind of go from there. Uh, Amelia says, you inspired me also to hop off social media and I don't regret it one bit. However, I can say that there are some things that I like, like seeing my friends and family's lives progress through pictures and stories. Is there anything you miss about social media when you had it? So to be clear, uh, she is obviously, Amelia, you're obviously on Locals, which is awesome. And one of the things that I try to do in my community is not post a gajillion times a day. You know, we post a clip or two a day. I post personally uh, maybe two, three times a day and then uh, other members in the community are posting, but I'm trying not to bludgeon everyone so that we're not all staring at our phones. Uh, but I do have a ton of people in the community who have told me that they now, because of, of our community on Locals, are now off Facebook, they're off Twitter, they're off all this stuff, which I think is spectacular. As for the, the missing the good stuff, right? Because seeing the family pictures and the stories and seeing relatives that are having birthdays and all that kind of stuff, like that is the missing piece. and and. By the way, we're working on some things over the next little bit with locals that I think will expand on some of the good parts of social media. I don't miss it at all. So like, I don't do my Instagram. I don't, I haven't been on Facebook in years. Like we have accounts for the show. I do my own Twitter. Um, but even on that, like, I try not to look at responses really because it's just, because for even if 90% of my responses are good one, the amount of just annoying, like hateful, vile people on there is just crazy. So we've built something really nice at Locals and I, I hope uh, I hope you're enjoying it. So it's rubenreport.locals.com if you haven't. Uh, Sally from the Valley says, you've said Bill Maher was one of your favorite comedians back in the day, mine too. Now that he's speaking out a bit, have you asked him to be on the show? We have reached out a couple times, haven't heard back. I was supposed to be on for my book, which when we got booked for the book, which was, I was gonna be on, my book came out April 28th, I think I was gonna be on the week after. I said to my guys, I was like, I just have a feeling they're gonna cancel on us. And then COVID happened, they changed how they were doing the show and everything, they canceled on us. Then they did reach out to us a couple months ago about maybe coming back on and then it sort of went nowhere. 
I mean, look, Bill Maher back in the day, especially when I was more on the left side of things, I absolutely loved. I do believe him to be a good liberal, but I think he's at the end of his road of liberalism. And I think this is what's happening to all of the good liberals and Bill Maher or real-time people, because I know a lot of employees and writers and producers at real time watch this show and keep having a lot of my guests on and all that kind of stuff, which is just fine with me. I'm happy that these people are getting out there. Bill is at the end of liberalism and at the end of liberalism, you don't know what you're screaming about anymore. So Bill Maher will have you know, people like Adam Schiff on and he'll complain that all his friends are leaving Los Angeles because of high taxes, but then Bill Maher will vote for people like Adam Schiff. And Adam Schiff, if we played the clip here, Adam Schiff will say to him, oh, we're business friendly here in California. And it's like, and Bill just sits there and it's like, no, you're not. You raise taxes on everybody. You have high regulation. Everyone wants to get out of here. You have high income taxes. And where do they go? They go, they go to Texas. Why did Joe Rogan leave California? He signed a $100 million deal and then decided that he didn't wanna pay all the taxes for it in California. I don't blame him for that, so he went to Texas. So Bill Maher, I think, has sort of, you know, the Trump thing, I think, dysregulated him the way it dysregulated a lot of the liberals. And by the way, with Maher, I'll give him a little bit of an extra leash because Trump did go after him personally. I think they were talking about suing each other at some point. Um, but I would say, in effect, Bill Maher is really, he's an old school liberal, but basically a libertarian. He wants to smoke pot, you know, hang out with chicks. He, he doesn't like religion. Like he just wants the government out of his life, but he always votes for Democrats. He somehow still thinks that Democrats and lefties are better than the people who wanna live him alone, leave him alone. And I think most Republicans, most conservatives, that's all they want. Just leave me alone. I can't solve all your problems through the government. So I think he's at the end of liberalism, which is probably why they haven't had me on the show because I would expose that. Like Bill Maher is supposed to be sitting where I am. Doesn't mean you're a card carrying member of the Republican party. I don't consider myself a Republican, but nine out of 10 times is the Republican choice in 2021 gonna be better than the Democrat choice? Of course, but I don't even care about political parties. You know, I care about, I care about ideas. So is the conservative, say libertarian set of ideas way better than the, the discombobulated authoritarian set of ideas that's coming out of the left these days? Yeah, Bill, you wanna talk about it here, there, wherever, man, I'll, I'll meet you. I'll meet you at the Playboy Mansion, whatever you wanna do. Uh, all right, part two of my interview with David Sachs, uh, former COO of PayPal and just a guy who gets it at the tech level and the government level and everything else is up on YouTube right now and the full episode is already up ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. My interview with Rand Paul came out this morning. You can see it right here on YouTube. And tomorrow we're doing just like a weekly news recap, sort of the craziness of the week. Uh, we, we already selected like 10 of the craziest things. And I've got uh, Lauren Chen, I've got Richard McGinnis from The Daily Caller and Sarah Gonzalez from The Blaze. And uh, if you wanna chat with me, say hi, see what I'm eating, show me what you're eating, what you're drinking, show me pictures of your dog and all that good stuff. Check out rubenreport.locals.com. I thank you guys for submitting questions. And if we didn't get to you this week, we'll do it again next Thursday and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you wanna connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.